Hello, Show Me Mo podcast listeners, viewers, followers, supporters. Uh, we are in for another episode, episode seven. I'm excited about this one as I am about all of them. Uh, but I've gotten to know this guest uh, quite a bit over the last few months. And I got to tell you, I'm just, I every conversation, I feel like I get a little bit more impressed, but not surprised by the work ethic and all the awesome that uh, Mr. Casey Hausman is doing in St. Joseph's uh missouri so welcome first and foremost casey thank you and uh i gotta tell you i the first time i talked to you in uh, zoom recently i was like man is that your office and i have to say uh, while i'm appreciative that you don't have the ch- any chief's memorabilia on the back background that chair i would sink right into and i'd probably have an afternoon nap or two um even if it's not my office of of my own i'd probably you probably find me in there napping that looks super comfortable oh it gets plenty of traffic trust me <laughs> <laughs> so so listen so to first tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today and then i want to dig into to the district and the day-to-day stuff all right well first off i'm uh, my name is casey hausman i'm the coordinator of maintenance and warehousing for the st joseph missouri school district I grew up here in Missouri on the northeast corner, opposite side of the state that I'm currently in. Um, went to high school, went to college here in St. Joseph, Missouri. That's where I met my wife. I moved away after college and I built tower, telecommunication towers for about 10 years all across the United States. I've seen a lot of beautiful country, a lot of, been to about the whole 46 of the 50 states. I feel pretty fortunate for that. Um, I got out of the tower industry. <clears throat> Just for the fact that I had a little incident, I just I got to where I didn't like heights anymore, and so I decided I'm gonna go into something a little different. I was a superintendent of that construction company there, so I went into I'm like I'm gonna try some manufacturing. Started in a manufacturing plant. <clears throat> I started there just at the very bottom. I started loading train cars full of grain. Uh, six months later, I was promoted. Went in, I saw the parts inventory guy, uh, so I negotiated inventory parts for prices for the company then i became the maintenance supervisor about two years later i became the maintenance manager of the, of the entire plant and about my fifth year there I became the director of operations um, so i was overall preventative maintenance packaging the milling the you name it that's that's what i what i dealt with every day um outside of that <clears throat> excuse me i got a call here so fighting the Fighting the cold. But just keep um, that but, Kansas City cup away. You can use those water <laughs> bottles. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, so I got to, my kids got uh, a little old or a little older. I decided, you know what? Time for another change. So I spent 10 more years there. At, I spent 10 years at that plant. And I said that an opportunity came open at St. Joseph, Missouri mm-hmm. School District about, about four years ago now. Um, jumped on the opportunity. I came in as a facilities manager um, over the custodial and everything and then I, I moved up to the coordinator which I'm over all of the maintenance the custodial the warehousing for the district distribution of the district um, our district itself is about 11,000 students give or take a few um, we've got 30 buildings um, 350 acres of property roughly so it's a it's a pretty large undertaking at times <clears throat> I, I get a couple of things here that I I you know, I, I I get to know something new about you every time we talk. Um, 
and I'm going to get to that first. First, though, are your kids your kids are in the district. Do you live? Yep, I live in the district. My kids go to school in the district. I've got one in elementary school and one in uh, middle school. Next year, it's going to be middle school and high school. That has to improve your pride of ownership of your job, having your kids walking the hallowed halls of the spaces that you manage. <laughs> it does. <clears throat> My daughter, on the other hand, if we've got an air conditioning issue or anything, automatically get a text dad it's cold in here no work orders needed. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) the entire faculty and staff of the district knows your kids and they say you know i really don't want to put a work order could you do me a favor could you just hit your dad up on the hotline and let him know that i don't you don't you don't feel all that comfortable with the heat or the air conditioning in here yeah yeah happens all the time yeah (laughs) that's that's great no i i didn't know you did you did work with towers that uh so that's yeah that's all i just put all the utilities concrete work flat work you know generators things like that and about my fourth year in i started climbing yeah um like my highest towers ever on was uh 750 yeah um at that height we're above i got a picture somewhere there's a water tower below us, and it just looks like a real round single saucer. Yeah. So, so <clears throat> I didn't know this, and I I don't know why. Um, I can't remember what they gave me for an answer, but a, a reti- now retired business official in um, in South Carolina, her husband, his job is changing the bulbs on the antennas, which are in some cases fifteen hundred plus feet up. I mean, they're oh, absolutely, and they're just little needles and. So I, I said one day, I said, is there, if there's any, ever any way that I could climb one of those with him? Because some of them actually have elevators. Absolutely. Um, yep. I was like, I, I would love Usually to do that. You got to climb about 150 feet or so and then yeah. the elevator to go up. Yeah. I said, I would, I would love to do that. And then as time has gone on, that was a couple of years ago and I probably would still do it. But every time I drive by a radio antenna with the flashing red lights, I go, it's pretty far up there, man. And there's just a couple <laughs> of cables hold. I mean, They've been right. they've been held up for a long time. It's not like the day that I go on it is the day that it's going to fall over. But it's scary stuff, and yeah. the fact that people put those together and climb up there is is amazing in itself. So and it's a pretty um, large undertaking. Some people probably don't understand how it works or how you even go about doing it. But it's a pretty interesting process. Yeah, well, we'll have to talk deeper on that on a on a, <laughs> on, a, on, a on a side note at some point. Yeah, I'll um, show you some pictures. Yeah, no, I look forward to it. Um, what? So, what? I guess what was that? I mean, this is one of those things where, I mean, you you've done a little bit of everything. Was it just I like? Have, a, yeah. Was it just like, you know, help wanted ad that was in the newspaper? Was it you and your wife sat down and you said, "Hey, you know, this might be a good good avenue to go down." Like, I'm trying to find out what attracts people that that you know. You have really two different groups of people, right? You have the people that start out in a district. And they go their entire career, right? That's pretty well covered. We're, we need to find more of those folks, sure. but it's it, it's it's really it's hard to find people that go from private sector to public sector. It's easy to find people go from public to private, absolutely, and then come back to public because <laughs> they realize that the grass isn't all that green on the other side. Sometimes, sure. But, but what was that like for you? <laughs> it was scary at first. Um, yeah. I mean, how I found out about the job was exactly right what you just said there was an ad in the newspaper for facilities manager yeah and at the time i didn't really i guess understand what that exactly meant facilities manager you know to me i was thinking uh, more along the lines of oh i was going to you know 
working on heaters or working some air conditioning, you know, things like that. But actually, it was more, you know, I started out in the, in the, in the manufacturing plant. I had about, oh, there's 80 people in the entire plant, the small plant. Um, but I came here and I had 105 custodians. I'm like, oh, at 30 locations. I'm like, whoa, okay, this is a little different world. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's just a, it's a totally different demographic. Um, what I was dealing with there, um, it, I really enjoyed it. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to like it. Trust me. I, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I had some doubts when I first came in, but now I wish I would have done it 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, it's in, in the rewarding piece. And that's kind of why I said it, it must be really cool having your kids walk the hallowed halls. It's, oh, yeah. it's really different. So I, I, my, my focus and my commitment is in education, but I will say that I, I've, I've, I'm always open to exploring and learning about um, other facets of facility management. So I've been in healthcare, I've been to country clubs and manufacturing plants. Actually, was there's a really cool manufacturer here in Massachusetts. They manufacture two things, uh, styrofoam coolers, but they're not made out of styrofoam. They're made out of something like styrofoam mm-hmm. or like Walmart and other companies for, for um, DoorDash people for uh, refrigerated goods. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the styrofoam, and the, and the other thing that they make, styrofoam rings that go in hand grenades. They're the only people that do that. Wow. I'm like, if that isn't two, <laughs> if that isn't two polar opposite product sets, I don't know what the heck is. Um, no kidding. <laughs> but the but the equipment that that's used to and I learned about, you know, how they mold all of these basically all these little beads get put into a mold and they get heated yep. up and, and put together. And they had seven or eight of these machines that could do this at any given point in time. And so when I talked to them, I say, you know, what happens when the system goes down? They go, well, these are built in Germany and the parts, they have to fly from Germany. And, and you know, so minimum you're you're down for eight hours, right? Because you don't have the parts um, if you right. don't have them on hand. It's a really different visual um, and requirement. And and, and it's, it's kind of sad in a lot of ways because you said you had 80 staff at the manufacturing plant and you got 102 at the school. I bet you're still understaffed at the school. Oh, you yeah. Know? We have about so, 13 openings currently, just a custodial. Right. So, you know, but, but you said they had their parts were in Germany or wherever. There's a couple of times, for instance, we were down and when we first started there, me and another guy that brought me on, we really, really concentrated on identifying every critical spare that we could in that plant. Yeah. Anything that was going to cost us major downtime that we could not buy or purchase at a local vendor Mm -hmm. in Kansas City or St. Joe within a couple hours. We needed to get, identify that and, and find out how long is it going to get us to take it? Who has it? And what are we looking at if we need to put it in? Do we need to stock it ourselves or does somebody have it somewhere else? And there's at least five or six times we, I've, I've actually bought a plane ticket to put it on a, to a residential or a commercial plane, normal passenger plane, and flew that thing into Kansas City and had somebody hot shot it, bringing it up to me. So, wow. <clears throat> That's that, yeah. Put a part on, put a part on the seat. That's it's a quiet partner, I guess you know. Um, right. But that's these are the things that 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 sometimes people miss. I mean, successful manufacturing companies they have their they have a huge warehouse with space and all the parts oh, yeah. and everything else. And like when you think about um, when you think about um, manufacturing plants and how much is produced in a day and what it costs. I, I met a guy that he was applying for facility director position for a uh, company that manufactures lawnmower blades. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, geez, how many lawnmower blades can you make? He goes, we press one every second of every day. So one gets produced every second of every day, which translates to 86,400 a day 
for uh let's see here 31 million five hundred thirty six thousand a year and uh you know when we're talking about supply chain when you talk about like getting people to wrap their heads around things because we talk about supply we're gonna talk about supply chain and how easy or hard things are to get now even three years after the kickoff of covid you know when you're closed when your manufacturing plant is closed for 30 minutes, it can be an impact. Close it for three months like it was in COVID. Now that's mm-hmm. a wild setback. Um, yeah. But uh, no, it's it, interesting stuff. And um, and first of all, it was in the manufacturing. Anytime, anytime we were down, we, we knew what the hourly rate was. We were It was cost us $10,000 an hour. Right. When we were down on unscheduled right. time. Right. And what's and, and the crazy thing is schools, you can't put a financial piece to downtime or or environment. There's lots of studies coming out that are showing that an improved uh, an improved learning environment, um, and I just call it an improved environment because for a lot of right. these kids, it's the best eight hours of their day. Might, they might not be getting the education um, that they that they need because they don't want it, but they they have a very safe, uh, comfortable space for eight hours of their day, which makes a huge impact on the outcome of who they are at the end of the day, regardless of their grades. Um, oh, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, I stress that to all of my staff, you know, <clears throat> to try to leave your home, your, your problems at home or at the door when you come in. Mm-hmm. That's it, because that's not the atmosphere that we want our children to be in. We want this to be the safest place that they go to. This should mm-hmm. be the comfort. They should be happy to come here and should be happy to, and feel, feel safe with anybody that's in that building and around. Said, because you don't know what that young person goes home to at the end of yep. the day. This might be the only hot meal that they get. Mm-hmm. So it's very unfortunate, but I, I encourage my staff to, to think that way because it's, it can always be worse. My, mm-hmm. I go by that a lot. Well, I, I'd say I measure people uh, in, a stra- in some strange ways um, mm-hmm. as far as, um, you know, who I, who I want to work with as a vendor. I, you know, I get to choose who I want to work with just as much as the person does on the other side. Um, And one of the ways I measure is passion, you know, Um, passion, and then what they're doing and how they're doing it. Um, And you're obviously passionate, because I think the last three, three conversations we've had have been outside of what someone would consider normal business hours. I think I called you at 715 this morning. Um, Yeah, I was wondering. Yeah. (laughs) And I think we were I think we were talking on Monday or Tuesday at uh, at six or six thirties at night. Um, yeah. But I, but I but I feel like you still balance life pretty good um, with 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 family and everything else. But you are extremely passionate about what you're doing at the district. And one of the things I'm really impressed with is is your level of importance of knowing about your district. So it's kind of yeah. like, um, you know, hey, how how many how many sinks do you have in the district, right? If you sat in a room, if you sat in a room with, with, with your peers and it's no offense to them, but if you sat in a room with your peers, how many would actually be able to tell you how many sinks they have in a building or in a district quickly? Not one. Right. (laughs) Right. And, and you know, how many, how many sinks do you have? I have (laughs) 1,263. And if I ask you doors or windows or, roofs or, or or units or a number of different things you you know that information and yeah, we do. A, I, mean, I don't know a, everything off the top of my head no but but i think that's important i think well i think well here's one thing that's really important we were talking we'll talk about sinks 
Um, yeah. and, I, and I only say in sinks because we just did the MSPMA winter workshop for the first time. And one of the topics was lead water testing, right? Correct. At a bare minimum, you need to know how many drinking faucets you have in your district, right? Absolutely. Opposed to just sinks, right? Because there's a difference. You have to test every sink and every faucet. And what I learned, which I wasn't really aware of, and you may have been the one that made the comment, um, you know, you could have a sink in an elementary school, you know, first grade room that right. that 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 isn't deemed drinking water faucet sink um, bottle filler. But those right. first graders don't know, you know, you have to label that properly and you have to know. And it's if you have 900 drinkable sinks, you got to make yep. sure that that one is one of them. Um, Absolutely right. Where did you, so again, it's no slight to your, your workload is heavy. Your workload is hard. Um, I know there's a lot of folks in Missouri that I, that I've talked to that are doing a lot of that stuff, but, but many facility directors, they they just either don't have the time. They don't have the, 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 the realization that those questions are going to come up. Where did that come for you? Where you were like, Hey, I, I need to know all this stuff and I need to have it accessible, not just know it, but if I, for like what you said, which was a great comment, because I feel like I have to know everything to to be to to be able to talk to, but as sure. as I shared with you, I've got four files. I've got four magic files that <laughs> if I'm talking to somebody, I can go into one of those four files and I can find just about everything I need really mm-hmm. quick. So I'm not that smart. Um, where did you find that that level of importance to have that information? How often do you have to? How often do you sh- do you flex your muscles and say, "Hey, I got 1,263 sinks in the district." Um, flex your muscles. And then the third, and then the third one is when you do have to do that stuff and you do provide that information quickly and efficiently, what's the outcome as far as how you're looked at from your peers, from your, from your stakeholders, from your bosses, whoever? Oh yeah. I mean, so we've got basically like a playbook is what we call it. Um, And I was fortunate enough coming into this position that my predecessors did a wonderful job. Um, they developed this playbook back in 2009, mm-hmm. and it has every square foot of the building, faucet, pencil sharpener to eyewash stations, stations to you name it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes up very often, if you'd be surprised. I mean, any time you're going to, in this position here, like this time of year, you know, we're concentrating on pet capital projects, you yeah. know, for the next summer. I mean... I don't have to go out and measure every parking lot. I know the square footage of it already. Mm-hmm. Or the roof, the square footage of that building, I already know it. Um, you don't have to waste that time. Um, and then, for instance, it's been a couple of years ago now, we were in a board meeting and <clears throat> some money came available and it was for, through a fund, I can't remember we apply a grant of some sort. And it was for uh, replacing, upgrading like water fountains, things like that. And the board of me were asked, how many water fountains do we have? We're like 243. How do you know that? They're like, well, over time, we've developed this, this playbook, basically, that has every aspect of each building, location, square footage, um, how it's heated, how it's cooled, you, you name it, it's, it's in here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something that it's only as good as what you make it. You have to have your trusted staff. To make sure that they're updating it. I mean, and your job is to, you know, oversee it, make sure it's getting updated, you know, to ensure that it's, it's accurate. Mm-hmm. But it's only mm-hmm. as accurate as the people that are doing it. 
Um, so, you know, you have to spot check some things every once in a while yourself, just proper checks and measures. Um, but I mean, I'm a strong believer. You don't have to know everything in this world, but to be successful, you need to surround yourself with people that are smart or smarter than you. Yeah. That's what I, I strive for having. I strive to be the dumbest guy in the room. I think, and I, I think I do pretty good. <laughs> somewhere huh <laughs> i go in the room i go man if 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 there's somebody smarter in here than me that i don't want to be in here i i, I want i want you know and that's it, it i mean when you look at that that winter workshop you know i was i had the honor to moderate but i didn't know i i didn't know about lead water i was asking more questions than just about anybody um, and the same thing with working with nurses in the in the school and and building building management systems i'll just building automation systems i'll leave that to guys like chris because i'll never right. be able to wrap my head around that um right. but no i think that that's i think that that's right i think the way that you're thinking about it is right and i think that as we as we go into these next levels of what your life looks like it's more important because let, let's look at lead and water right flint michigan right. that's what uncovered that if you don't right. know what if you don't know where your kids are drinking from and then if you don't know how to relate that to people because the answer from your stakeholders i.e., me the taxpayer well, we've got to make sure that we have drinkable water and all drinkable fa- and all drinkable faucets in the district. Well, that's great. Right. That person's mindset is the filter that they have to change in their refrigerator at their house. Like it can't be that much work, right? Can't be that much work. But when you get two hundred and forty-three of them that may need, you know, depending on what type of system you use uh, with filter replacement or the service contract to have the filter replaced, whether it's mm-hmm. and I don't know what kind of filters are going to remove. Uh, lead or what kind of systems you need, whether it's a charcoal or RO or what what type is the the best today. I know sand's not going to do it, um, but you know the, the the different type of filtration systems that you need to have all have different maintenance needs. Um, yeah. But then you know, and then COVID comes around and that takes over the lead discussion for a little bit. And now it's hey, we got to we got to retrofit and make sure that everybody's got Merv seventy five filters that haven't even come out yet. Um, hey, that's great. It's it's great if you have one filter. I mean, I'm I consider myself very blessed and very stressed because my house has five filters for my HVAC system. Um, right. So you know, I'm changing you know five different filters. Most people only have one or two. So sure. when you talk about thirty buildings, what's the average building as far as number of filters that an average building has? A lot. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. air conditioning. Do- dozens. I mean, we're, yeah. we're looking at four hundred plus rooftop units. Right. So, no, so that's a full-time job filter oh, changing yeah. filter changing is a full-time job when there's, you look a, there's, at- a, there's another instance that i spent the last last year that we used i really was beneficial <clears throat> this is something that's on this playbook that we have that you probably wouldn't really think about counting and that's soap dispenser paper towel dispensers and toilet paper dispensers yes um, if many people you know contract their paper out and do that every year and mm-hmm. and the, the old brown paper rolls are getting harder and harder to find because unfortunately with covid some of the manufacturing plants shut down and the industry's kind of started to go away from that mm-hmm. well we were in a position that you know all right we're a little ahead of everybody else on this one <clears throat> we got lucky because our supplier you know was as well informed as a really good relationship with us and they're like, hey, you just really need to consider the district your size 
You know, we're 19th largest, I think, in the state. Um, district your size and the condition and the age of your um, receptacles you're using, your dispensers, are really outdated. You know, we got to look and all right, well, pulled some work orders up from our CMS system. Yeah, we've had quite a few of these we've had to replace. You know, you're looking $15, $20 a pop. You know, some districts don't that don't have the luxury of getting a really discounted price on mass volume. Mm-hmm. Um, it's even more expensive than that. So we're like, well, how many, how many darn towel dispensers do we even have? I look at the playbook. It says we got 1,120 paper towel dispensers. Wow. I'm like, well, okay, well, what about toilet paper dispensers? They're like, well, you got 973 of those. I'm like, wow, okay, what's the cost of that? Well, what am I looking at there to replace everything brand new? They're like, it's going to be 80000 plus. For the dispensers. To replace the dispensers. Wow. I'm like, okay, yeah, we might not be able to do that right now. Yeah. So, you know, we ended up being able to do it. We did it. But it gives you something to look at and budget towards. Because those are some things that you got to think about that you don't normally think about. Because it was actually costing us money. And it's going to cost us more money in the long run. So, but that's another instance that came into play is what I needed the playbook for sure. Yeah. People, and that's, you know, you make such a great point. Does anybody use trifold paper anymore? It's all rolls, basically. Rolls are, <laughs> rolls are air, rolls are air dryers, right? That's basically what. Well, no, our new ones we went to, they're trifold. Oh, are they? They're trifold. They I, I don't grow together. They come in a pack. Oh, I love come those. a pack of like a thousand. And yeah. The dispenser can hold like five packs. Yeah. That's, so we're, I, we're changing them less. It holds it holds almost three times more than the roll has on it. Yeah. So we're looking there at labor savings there. There was some some study or something done, probably from the brown roll paper people, that said that the trifolds were uh, ineffective and, and wasted and all this other stuff, and everybody switched over the rolls. And what's uh-huh. interesting is, I mean, some schools get those dispensers for free with their contract, sure. but you're going to pay right. for it in the paper. There's no there's Absolutely. no such there's no such thing as free. Um, but yeah. when you when you think about that stuff and when you have, you know, parents that call and it's th- th- this is like this is a topic for a whole nother day that I'd love to just pick brains because I'm not a scientist or a or a or a estimator of, you know, how many rolls of paper towels it is. I just use them all the time because I travel so much. Sure. But it's it's always interesting to see the the um, the measurement of dispenser dispensing of a paper towel roll. It's never enough. Right. It's it's never enough. And I, I listened to someone that was an expert and they said, we want people to swipe twice, you know, to hit it once and use it and do it a second time. But they right. they turn the roll back like 15 percent. So it's actually like a 30 percent reduction in the two rolls. Mm-hmm. But nobody it very because they can they can do the count, like how many consistent, you know, swipes or whatever it is. And they said, right. yeah, the pe- people aren't going for a third, but we're taking away, you know, four inches on each on each spin and and that's how we're able to and and it's wild that the science behind you know how much do we dispense and what's the typical person's hand size and how much do they use to dry it and and do they use the paper towel to pull the door handle right there was there was one school that i talked to that they put the um the foot openers yep at the the bathroom doors so so they so they told me that they put the foot foot openers are in because there was an increased use after COVID 
of people doing a third whack of the paper towels using the paper towel solely to open the door handle. Yep. And they were like, that foot foot opener is twenty five dollars, fifty dollars, right. whatever it is. Money we're saving on the paper stuff. Like right. the stuff you guys have to think about. <laughs> Like it makes my brain sore and I don't have to think about it that way. I just have to talk about it. Right. You right. Guys I mean, when it. we were, when we were looking at, you know, deciding if we're going to do paper, new, new paper towel dispensers or what, I mean, yeah, we, we went down the, the uh, avenue of looking at, you know, hands-free yep. air dryers. Um, the, only, the few things that we found there, I mean, one is the expense. Yeah. When you're looking at almost 2000, well, 1200 hand, hand set or hand, uh, Dispensers, yep. paper towel dispensers, and you look at these hand dryers, and then they're a thousand dollars a pop. So it's a pretty significant amount of money. And then a lot of those that we found out too that all your water off your hands goes onto your floor, onto your finish, Bingo. ends up ruining that as well. Um, or or I mean, the ones, or the ones that catch it inside have a catch basin, and it sits there. It's in there. It's just a breeding ground for bacteria. Yep, absolutely right. And then on the other thing is, you know, our buildings are old. You know, our oldest building now that we currently own is, I believe, it's 1903, yeah. all the way to 2016. So it's a pretty vast array. So all those old buildings, they don't have the electrical capacity, yeah. one, and then they're all hard stone, you know. So getting the power and everything to each location is a logistical nightmare alone. But also you got to think of the cost to even do that. It's, that's tremendous. Yeah. To have power to every location. <clears throat> I mean, you really need to have such a laundry list of what what if then. Like if someone you know, if <laughs> if 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 all of a sudden you know people come in and say, Hey, we want to switch to hand dryers, you know, mm -hmm. some folks would just be like, All right, well, let's switch to hand dryers. But the, you know, how how are all the pieces? I use interactive whiteboards. Right. You know, pe people just think you just throw that up, you just throw that up on the wall like a plasma tv and <laughs> you can you don't even need to run the cord through the back of the wall but you know in a school you need to do all that stuff and so just to hang right. up an interactive you know an interactive uh board you know you need your electrician you need your carpenter yep. you need your it person to set it up like that board takes three or four different departments all dancing together at the right time can't have the it guy come in before the before the board's hung and you can't have the board hung before the electrician runs a wire. Like it's, it's, it's a pretty, I mean, it's a pretty detailed dance that you have to do with your team every day and teams outside of your team. Sure. Absolutely. Right. How do you, how do you, how do you do all that? Like how do you coordinate and, and make all those, those projects kind of go like, because I mean, the biggest challenge when you talk about those towers and you said, it, people really don't know what goes into that. I don't think most people know what goes into a typical, you know, project in your your district. You're oh. talking about your upcoming capital projects. Um, sure. How how hard or easy you make it look easy sometimes? I guess how how hard is That's that to it, coordinate? Well, it's it's the. I mean, it's not easy. No, I mean I can't say that at all. <laughs> uh, you you gotta like it's, it. Take first step. It takes good people. Um, the second step is you got to make sure you provide them with the correct tools. Mm -hmm. um, and tools, I mean, not just hammers and nails. I mean, mm -hmm. you got to have a good CMMS work order system. Mm -hmm. um, it tracks everything. It tracks your costs, tracks your work. Um, and, and it also gives you the ability to set in stages to where, you know, you know when you need to do this. This mm -hmm. guy, electrician, say in 30 buildings, it's electricians, all right, 
I'm done, closes the work order out, and then automatically say goes to the trades guy for the carpenter. All right, mm-hmm. we're going to go in. We're going to hang this TV up or monitor whatever we're putting in. It gets it done. All right, great. It's hooked up. Now, all of a sudden, that work order system transfers it to the IT people. Says, hey, we're ready to rock and roll. You come get this thing, make sure it works, get it all functional, and then we're go. So, I mean, that, those are the key things. Um, now, getting down to a big project, yeah, you've got to plan plan accordingly. You know, you got to think about when you can do this project because you also got to consider our school years are getting longer and longer every year. Mm-hmm. Um, come into our summertime, you know, we try to do as many projects as possible in the summer. But our school, summer school year now, I mean, school gets out at the end of May, you know, basically June 1, we're going another mm-hmm. month. So we're pretty much lost June. So you got July and two weeks into August. So you're looking at six weeks. You got to turn out, say, our normal capital budget here is in the millions. Um, but it's a lot of work you have to get completed. You're talking to Terry Parker lots of that. You're putting in playgrounds. I mean, if you're adding new air conditioning and heating to your buildings, you got time. You got to time it around the correct time. And sometimes, for instance, like we're in right now, we're doing some major, big, big money projects, adding heating and air conditioning to some of our largest facilities. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you got to work year round on those. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of aspects, a lot of people involved, um, a lot of contractors, you know, general contractors, and but you got to just plan accordingly and make sure you concentrate on your communication. That's a big key factor for sure. You're not communicating. You're gonna you're gonna fail. Let me throw a bottleneck to you. COVID supply chain. How how easy <laughs> or how hard has it been, and how does that affect your planning for projects? Uh, I'm seeing stuff oh. where uh, at large large air handler purchases. Uh, I just talked to a school district. They said it's thirty five three hundred and fifty two day uh, wait list. Like, yeah. And you're about 40 weeks on a, on a rooftop unit right now. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that's affected us tremendously because we had budgeted prior, you know, to put those rooftops in say last summer. Well, we haven't got them yet. So. Are, are there being, are there, and I don't know all the rules in Missouri, but is it, is it a requirement that, you know, something like a rooftop unit that you budget for, for the upcoming year, does it have to be installed, placed and, and running by that budget year are they are they doing something to extend that i know in some oh. places that there's they're, they're filing they're making extensions like a 352 day wait list you get the approved budget where you can actually issue the purchase order on july 1st Th- that in essence leaves you 13 days to receive the item and have the item set up installed and tested and and off and running right yeah no i mean there are there are some extensions out there we haven't had to run into a lot of that problem yet um but and as far as uh, the cash flow or the, the accounting, I mean it's an accounting nightmare mm-hmm. to keep track. I'm not sure exactly how they all do that. I, don't, I hope I don't have. They don't want me figuring all the numbers. Yeah, <laughs> like that. But uh, or run the project. But yeah, it, it's affected us tremendously. Like I said, mm-hmm. we're still waiting on some equipment. That's affected our big projects as well. You know, for new boilers and things like that. If <clears throat> if you were. Uh... If you were Casey just getting out, getting started, or maybe even high school Casey, because I I tell myself all the time, um, my mother works at Evoke Tech School, and I have the honor of getting to work with them with with Be Awesome. 
Um, and, you know, when I was growing up in the 90s in high school, you went to a regional Vogue tech school if you if you couldn't make it in high school. Well, I didn't make it in high school. They just nobody just told me until my fifth year. And then, you know, I didn't make it in college. And, and I and, and truth be told, I think I, I hit the lucky tree. Right. I, I had one I had one interaction in my life when I was 22 years old that gave me the opportunities that I've been blessed to have all these last 25 years. Um, so I tell myself and I tell my kids all the time, I say, hey, if, if I could go back, I'd go to a trade school. I'd learn a mm-hmm. skill, even if I wasn't going to use it. I go to trade school, and learn, learn all, all that there is to do with plumbing or electrician or actually not electrician. I've been electrocuted three times. It's not not my not my bag. Um, but, you know, I would learn a trade to, to have a goal of putting it to some use of some sort. Um and I would have done, I, I, I don't say I would have, would have done a lot of things differently, but I would have done things with a little bit of adjustment. Um, but then I talked to my kids about, you know, how to look at things differently, you know, as they grow older to, to, to lay the groundwork. Like I tell people all the time, if you want fulfillment and if you want a reward, you should really look at working in public education at some capacity. Is it, is it, is it the sexiest job in the world? Absolutely not. Highest paid, far from it. Most rewarding and fulfilling, absolutely, mm. 100%. Not only is it, I mean, if you think about being a parent and your kids, right, they're always going to be your number ones, right? Absolutely. Um, but you get the opportunity to make an impact on your entire community's number ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and you might not say, well, you know, I'm, I'm just a janitor. Or I'm just, a, I'm just a, a, a wrench turner in some skill set, or I'm just a food service or something. But without you, who? And that outcome of those kids, that that you you touched it. Every one of your team, every one of your 102 custodians touches at some point these kids' lives, right? And Absolutely. if you if you start today in a 30-year career, you're gonna see two and a half cycles of kindergarten to 12th grade, or in my case, 13. <clears throat> you see two and a right. half cycles of that. And that's pretty cool. Um so what would you say to your your younger self that went and worked in towers and manufacturing to get to the public sector? What would you tell yourself or tell others as to why they should consider or look at, you know, becoming involved with public schools at some capacity? Well, sure. I mean, why I would? I mean, I tell the people when I interview them, I tell them, I said, you're not going to become a rich person. But if you want a comfortable, fulfilling and rewarding lifestyle and a good place to work this is by far the best job to have mm-hmm. best place to work because the atmosphere is totally different from the public sector um, i've been in the public sector most of my life i mean it comes down to them they're great people trust me that's i miss the people that i used to work with um but the, they're driven more by the dollar and profit mm-hmm. um, so it can get very stressful um, I mean, every job can be stressful, but it's, it's what you make of it. And I'm a true believer in that. Um, but it, it, it's a different type of atmosphere. There's nothing like you pulling up to the school in the morning or I go to check on some, some things. Kids are arriving, you know, they're so innocent, especially the younger ages. You know, they, they'll, they're happy to see it. They're like, you know, they'll wave their little hands and say, hi. You know, if that doesn't put a smile on your face, I don't know what would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but just the interaction that you that you see with the staff and, and the children is by far 
one of the most rewarding experiences I've had in my entire career. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'd say it all the time. And I, I stole it from um, one of my good friends, Ken Wirtz in Massachusetts. You know, he says, Hey, if you're having a bad day, go to the kindergarten yeah. class, go to the <clears throat> kindergarten class and sit there just for 20 minutes. Absolutely. And look at those kids and, and realize that's what it's for. And, um, you know, I always tell people kids aren't born bad. You know, mm-hmm. we, we don't come out, we, we don't, we, you know, some of us are angry because it's a lot easier on the inside, sure. not having to do anything, get three squares a day and everything. But kids aren't born bad. They're born into some bad situations. Um, and for us to make yes. a good situation, a good environment in the school, we can even help those kids that have had some, had some, some bad scenarios, bad situations and make a difference. And I agree. And you're not going to be rich money-wise. You're going to be rich, in, in, you know, heart-wise. That's one of the things that I have found. I have gotten more notes. Um, and I was just reading one this morning from from team members that I've that I've been able to 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 reach out and talk to and and work with. And, you know, I've had you know, I had a, a woman once. Uh, um, she sat right in front. Uh, she was at a district. I, it was a bus kickoff, a bus rodeo slash, you know, doing your first run of the year. And this district had me come out and do a kickoff morning motivation. And this young woman sat in the front row. And her T-shirt said, um, "You think your being here makes me happy," and that was her. That was her nice shirt. That, that one of her team members said. One of her team members said, "That's not good." I said, "What?" And they said that she showed up and she wore her nice shirt. And I said, "Oh wow, okay. Well, that's that's something." And I never addressed her. Didn't do anything. I just did my talk. I got done, and uh, she came up and she said, "Would you?" Um, would you give me the honor of riding in my bus and me showing your route? And they just got the natural gas buses. So that was kind yeah. of a cool experience. And I was listening to her, you know, she got pregnant at 16. Her daughter got pregnant at 16. She's lived in the community all her whole life. All she knows to do is drive a bus. And everybody looks at her as this, you know, upset and angry person. But inside there's this person that cares and wants to make a difference. Just people don't pay attention to her. Mostly because of the shirt she wears. Mostly because of the shirt she wears. I asked her, I said, can I ask you a question? why did you wear that shirt? And she said, I thought it was funny. Didn't you? And I was like, no, cause I'm the person that's looking at it going, you make, you think that you being here makes me happy. I said, I'm sitting here going, I'm trying to make you happy. Um, you know, so it's important, um, that we, that we let people, we understand and get to know people and understand that some of them have been through challenges and they, they want to make a difference and that's the way that they can do it. So, um, no, I think your I think your description when people apply and hopefully you start filling those positions, um, you're not one of the districts that's gone to four days, are you? No, no we're still five day. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to be smaller uh, districts have in, in the state. Yeah, um, Independence, Missouri is supposed to be going to the four day. Yeah, they're pretty similar size as as we are, but we haven't. We're not going to the four day anytime soon. I've been tracking. <clears throat> I've been tracking a lot of that stuff, um, and it's and it's interesting. It's still very early. Um, yeah. For those that are listening, there's there's a number of school districts, and as, as it's pretty popular in in Missouri, from what I'm gathering, of sure. um, for for employee retention and employee finding is going to a four day um, school week. It has its whole whole other level of challenges and and difficulties. But one of the things that I'm seeing is a, is an increased applicant pool. So you know you you right. don't have anybody knocking down your door, but if people can work four days and get that work done, you know, in your case your team's work in five days. They just have one day where the school is empty. So it's, it's really no right. change to you. It's, it's more on the, the curriculum teaching side of things. Um, sure. so, so I'll be interested to see how more of that. Um, one of the other things that I, that I think that you touched on that I, I think is, a, is spot on 
um, in the private sector, all these companies talk about people before profit, but Correct. that, but, but that doesn't happen. That's, that's just a bunch of, that's, that's, that's a bunch of, that's a bunch of words. Um, and so, but with public education, it really is people before profit because you really don't profit financially. It's not like, Hey, we did a really great job. We were more efficient. We did this with 16 less people and da 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 right. da. And there's, there's stock options or anything else. It's a budget that you work off of to provide an education for kids. So it really right. is people before profit. And, uh, and that's a genuine, that's a genuine statement that holds true in every school USA. So, sure. um, I mean, yeah, we still have budgets, you know, we have to follow those. Yep. I mean, we want to, because, you know, it's, it's our community's money, right? you know, but we want to provide the best atmosphere and the best education that you can possibly get. Right. We're, we're developing our, our future, what we're doing. So yep. we, we have to consider that. And they have to consider your employees along the way. I might just encourage my supervisors, be truthful, be honest, be yeah. real. They're, they're, your employees are no different than you are. You both put your pants on one leg at a time. Yep. You know, and I just, I, there's a few things. I, I was privileged enough, my last position, my last, to work for a CEO that was truly, honestly, he cared about the people that he that worked for him. Yeah. Um, I got this little sheet here. I was going to show you on the screen on your side. Oh yeah. He developed this. I I took it from him. It's called a code of team behavior. Every meeting we had every month, we all as a group we read through this code of team behavior. And you know <clears throat> I'm going to read a couple of them here. You know number one, he always came up. He's like focus on reward and celebrate results, but not mm -hmm. effort alone. Yeah. You know, work diligently. Work diligently and the constant pursuit of excellence with a sense of urgency. Teach, coach, and mentor. Mm -hmm. well, member, we want members who own their process. You know, we were a big, big push on, you know, own the space 10 feet around you. Yep. you know, and that went up as far as if you're walking on the sidewalk. Say, like if I'm walking up to a building in the morning, and I see a piece of trash on the ground, I will pick that piece of trash up. Mm -hmm. No matter what. I don't care who it is. I'm just, I'm not better than anybody else. I pick that piece of trash up no matter what. You know, treat people with respect and dignity. You know, communicate, communicate clearly and often. So those are a few things that, that I push to my people as often as possible. Um, just because I want all the employees to feel like they're cared for, that that <clears throat> that they want to be there, and that, that and let, want to let them know that we're here to support them. I'd like to get a copy of that if it's shareable. That, that that's that's fantastic stuff. Um, you 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 struck a chord with me with picking up the trash, and I and I know you would. <laughs> but very, there's a lot of people that wouldn't. And I experienced this no. with a with a facility director. His name's Greg Lookabow. He's nationally recognized. He was one of the creators of the Facility Masters conferences around the country that Missouri modeled after the Midwest Facility Masters Conference. Um, mm -hmm. And and I walked I I walked with him one day. And he's a he's a well-known executive level facility director with, with large school districts in Texas. And mm -hmm. we were walking down a hall and there was a piece of paper on the ground. And he he started he started walking faster. Like he had to get to that piece of paper faster. <laughs> right, and he picked right. it up. I, he picked it up and I said, Greg, what's going on? He says, if I don't pick it up, who will? And exactly. I said, oh, I said, okay. I said, he says, if I don't pick it up, it'll stay there. And, mm -hmm. you know, we talked a little bit about the McDonald's model. 
right? Mm-hmm. And McDonald's not letting their their bathrooms get dirty. If, if someone if someone walks into a dirty bathroom, it's got a paper towel on the floor. Guess what? They're not going to be all that concerned about not throwing another paper towel on the floor and another one and another one. That's how you have a dirty mess. And that's where they came up with exactly. the the hourly check with the making the, the mandatory yep. check with signing your name. But that's that's a huge thing, you know, and I, and I think that's important. A leader should never ask their team to do something they're not willing to do themselves. Just make sure they understand that you don't want to have to do it too often because then you don't need yep. them. Um, but no, that, that's, that is, that is all awesome stuff. One of the things I'll tell you, I, I didn't, I haven't told Missouri this, I don't think yet. And and it's because I haven't given the talk, but one of the most powerful things, uh, very schools have done it, very few schools that have done it, but the ones that have, have been thoroughly impressed with, um, if you have a space where your team congregates, um, or a space in a, if I, and I don't know the layout, if that's just your operations building space, but finding a wall and calling it the wall of fame. And then mm-hmm. going going to Michael's and buying a bunch of eight and a half by eleven, inexpensive, all consistently the same types of picture frames, and print out mm-hmm. emails, accolades, and anything that that showcases your team, and put mm-hmm. it there. You know, Casey Casey did a great job. Da 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 da. Because all your team's work is behind the scenes, and we can talk about it, and it can be digitized, and we can put it on Facebook. People lose that. What they don't sure. lose. What they don't lose is that that wall of fame acknowledgement right there for people to see, and uh, that's right. that's that's one of the coolest things that I've I've been starting to push the last mm-hmm. year or two, and I'm starting to get traction. People are starting to do something like it, and they're starting to say, "Wow, mm-hmm. our morale is a whole lot different." And people are trying to get their name up on there. They're not going around saying, "Hey, drop a good word in for me." Their work's sure. improving, their work levels improving, and they're realizing yeah. that while it seems like no one's watching, everybody is. Yep. So. We're a big enough district. We're, we're fortunate enough. We have our own print shop here. We make yep. coloring books, notepads, and all the some of the curriculum tests. Those things we make here. One thing that that I had to make that I have to make for me is thank you cards. So I got a whole oh, stack yeah. of them in my cabinet back here. <clears throat> for instance, just last week I had a uh, here we go. a stack of cards. Yes. Yeah, I got them. I got them here. Yeah. I, I got them just yep. flip sides, yeah. Yep. So, for instance, last week, we were, had a contractor. We had a, a heater that broke down. <clears throat> I had to call in a contractor to come in and fix it. And that contractor was running late. Of course, you know, school's after. It was after school. <clears throat> but the secretary there, you know, she was nice enough to say, hey, I can. I don't, I don't have anything to do. I can wait a few minutes to let this person in if needed. So, well, that would be outstanding i really appreciate that you're really helping me out because i don't have anybody available and just those little things i mean was she getting paid for it absolutely that's besides the point but you know so i i made i filled out one of those cars i sent it we have our own mailman it goes around all 30 buildings every day put into our inner school mail sent it out there and uh i only met it one other time but i was out there this week we were delivering pretzels for some staff appreciation stuff and there's that card pinned on her wall behind her desk yep just that one little thing and she was so thankful that one little gesture meant a lot because i individualized her out and just to say thank you yep a simple thank is pretty powerful yeah no you're you're spot on and i've got a stack i've got behind me um right on the floor all i had to do like i said i just turn around i just i got a stack right here i got a whole bunch (laughs) of um you know that that gratitude, I have a gratitude wall. I'm looking at it right now because the mm-hmm. closet just happens to be open. It's in my office closet. 
and it's a cork board and it's every mm -hmm. handwritten card I've received going back to 1996 when Kent Hudson, my CEO at the time, wrote a Merry Christmas card. I, like like I have them I have them all and it doesn't and, and there's not a lot of them you know you'd think right. 25 years you'd have you know you'd need a whole house for them the, the reality is there's not a lot of people that do that but no. the power of thank you and and what you just said and that's where the wall of fame came from because sure. I've been into uh I've walked probably 2,500 to 3,000 schools k-12 sure. higher ed independent schools throughout my career at one point in time, I was doing 30 to 50 a month. And um, I found very few areas where there was real appreciation. But the places I found them were on cork boards with thank you cards. And there weren't, weren't enough of them. Like if people knew what you and your team did, somebody would write a thank you card every day minimum and probably oh, bake, sure. your pie, and bake lots of pies, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But but. You know, I guess the assumption maybe is that everybody does it or whatever, but that's awesome. I mean, don't don't uh, lose that. And that that's more that's better than a bonus. And what you said about was you getting paid for it? Yeah, Let, let's you got we got to look past that because lots of people get paid to do nothing. Right. Sure. Lots of people get paid. and They go, oh, that's not my job or I don't need to wait or I'm not going to get anything out of it or whatever. It's the genuine care and, and wanting to do something that's going to be helpful and make a difference. And you, in turn, recognize that with a nice card. Everybody wins. Yeah. Everybody wins. And the way I look at it, in my opinion, management is a privilege. Yes. It is. So don't take that for granted. Yeah. Man, that's, that's, I'll tell you what, there's no better way to close it out than that. Uh, that, that, <laughs> that, 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 that's, I'm going to write that one down. Um, Cause I think, I think you're spot on with that. Well, listen, I, uh, I got to tell you, I really, um, First of all, I, I, I'm I'm really grateful that you and I have gotten to to kind of go down this path of getting to know one another professionally, right. personally over the last couple months. I think it, you know, yep. came up, it started in December with a a random phone call by me saying, "Hey, sorry, I missed you in uh, in Wisconsin. You were in Wisconsin in November, right? I was, yeah, yeah. in Wisconsin. Yep. And I stood I stood everybody up. I thought they closed the room and they didn't, and everybody was sitting there waiting for me. I didn't realize I had an audience. <laughs> But for us to go from that to to, to have an, a, a great uh, relationship where I know I'm learning a lot from you and I appreciate that um, yeah. and, and learning about all the awesome that you're doing and the pride of ownership with your kids and your family being in the community. That's what it's all about. So um, keep up the great work, my friend. Appreciate you giving us appreciate some of your time. It. And and uh, I look forward to seeing what's next. I'm going to I know I'm going to hear lots of things and when i know you're going to an event this weekend there is a and i and i'm not saying it I, there is a, a company there that has a hair uh an air dryer that uh -huh. they tell me about every year american made and uh they they swear by it and everything else i don't know anything about it but it doesn't have right. the drip tray it doesn't have everything i want you and i to go over there and say where does the water i want i want us to go over okay. there because i i haven't asked the question they're the <laughs> nicest people in the world Family owned, American made, multi generational, you know, family ownership. Um, sure. They they have all the answers, and I've known them for like five or six years. And every year I talk to them, they say all the great stuff they're doing. But when you just said water goes on the floor, and then this happens, we're going over there. And we're going to ask the question: <laughs> Where does the water go? <laughs> we will do it. I will be there. That would be the title of this podcast: Where does the water go with Casey? Um, <laughs> Well, I appreciate you, my friend, and uh, we'll have to do yep. this again. Uh, we'll have to do this again and catch up with you. And uh, we're going to talk offline about uh, 
climb and sell towers because I'm, I'm right. questioning whether or not I want to do it anymore. <laughs> and uh, and that'll that'll do it for another episode here. As always, we're doing some uh, we're doing great with this. Uh, we've had uh, over I think we're up over fifteen hundred downloads in six episodes. This is episode seven. Um, if you if you like us, please follow us, share, like. If you're on LinkedIn, if you could share our LinkedIn page, the Show Me Mo LinkedIn page, we want to start doing these live. And the only way we can do them live on LinkedIn, which is where a lot of our listeners are, is if we have 150 plus followers. So we really need you to hit the follow button on LinkedIn. If we're doing a good job and we deserve your five-star rating and review, that helps us um, get rated as well. Our, our goal is to have not just Missouri listening, but the rest of the world listening to all the awesome that's going on in Missouri schools. Cause you guys are, a lot of you guys are doing some great work and uh, it should be spotlighted and showcased just like what Casey's doing. And um, if you have any questions, concerns, if we haven't earned that five-star rating or review and you want to give some feedback or you want to be a guest, feel free to email me, Josh, J O S H at be awesome, but it's spelled B E A U S is in Sam M is in Mary and uh, I'd love to talk to you. So in the meantime, we'll talk to you next week. And uh, where does the water go?